Welcome to Eye on the Illini, folks. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley. I am sitting here with a bunch of people tonight as we have Kedrick Prince, director of recruiting for Illini guys. We have Matt Stevens, the Illini guys staff reporter and writer. And we have Connor Kegley, the Illini guys basketball writer. We are here to talk about uh, two big subjects. Uh, the second thing we will talk about is our final four preview on who we expect to win. First up, we are going to talk about Andre Curbelo hitting the transfer portal. It's a day that became uh, something that I guess became more and more likely uh, over the last uh, few days since the Houston game. But uh, nonetheless, uh, a player that a lot of us have enjoyed watching. And it is a, a, one of those moments that it's kind of sad to see somebody go, but um, Ked, why don't you give us kind of what you're thinking about on this and we will round, go around the horn on it. Kedrick? Well, it's, you know, it's kind of sad to see any kid leave your program um, to any program. I mean, sometimes things just don't work out and it may not be a bad thing for him. I really don't think it is. I, I you know, I've, I just think this year was difficult for him and it was hard. It was tough. And I think there's things that went on behind the scenes that probably a lot of people, you know, didn't know about. And it was just hard. I mean, like, you could just see the frustration on his face. You could see it on, you know, uh, the coach's face. Even though I, I have to give my tip, I have to coach under a lot of people may be frustrated. But his leash with that kid, as long as I've seen with a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of coaches, high school and some smaller coaches, and they just thought, man, you know, you talk about being a player's coach. Brad Underwood definitely was with that kid. Um, and I want to see him succeed. I'm not disappointed. But I, I do. I really think moving forward, this is this is the best thing for both parties. I really, truly do believe that. And, again, I'm not upset with the kid. He was fun to watch at times. But he was he's tough to coach. And hopefully he matures when he gets to his next destination. There was just so many things. I'll give you an example. Just before we started this podcast, I had a junior college coach call me and say to me, tell me the last time you've seen a kid sitting at a press conference and March Madness eating a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And it happened. You know, he just did his own thing and he said he wasn't going to stop. I just think things like that, it's, I mean, it's, it's funny, but it's not professional. And I just think to me it's move on. And there's what he did this year or lack thereof, there's so many people out there and players that I think they can get that job done, even if it's in the transfer portal. Yeah, and, and some of those things are endearing when you're winning and when you're putting up points. And then if you're not, the same behavior can be something that can frustrate people. And um, it was a tough year for, for Curbelo this year, no doubt. Now, Matt, you've, you've obviously been close to this situation as well. What are your thoughts with uh, Curbelo moving along into the transfer portal? is where I thought we were going to be on Sunday, March 20th, when Brad Underwood sat there for what seemed like a couple of minutes without saying a word and then raised his head and said, coach's decision. When asked why Andre Carbello sat the final 26 minutes against against uh, Houston. Um, this is where I thought we would be. And because the drama had to stop. I'll, I'll just be plainly honest about it. I, I don't blame the kid. I don't blame Vlad Underwood. I don't blame anybody. The drama had to stop. And the drama wasn't going to stop with Andre Carbello. It just wasn't. And it wasn't going to stop with Illinois either because Illinois wasn't going to do anything about it. So I, I just think 
Ked's right in the sense that a clean break could be good for both programs, but Illinois lost a heck of a talent. And uh, Andre Carbello, I hope, finds a better situation, but I'm not entirely sure he's going to um, because new doesn't always mean better. New just means new. And new doesn't mean they're going to put up with everything that you have to put up with when you were playing Andre Carbello and you are putting Andre Carbello on your roster. So um, I don't blame the kid. I, I think he's handled, at least publicly, in terms of his social media and everything, the way that you need to handle it. I don't have a problem with a kid. I was there. I don't have a problem with kids sitting there eating a sandwich. Like, that is what he said he was going to be. And that's the other thing is that um, I know a lot of people wish Andre Carbello would mature a little bit better uh, or, or just a little bit more he has been more of a real person that I've ever covered in quite a while. And when he comes out and he says, look, this is who I am. You don't like it. Kick rocks. Which is basically what he was saying. Um, and so if you can have a coach that's okay with that, and that's, that's going to let you be who you are and not only off the floor, but on the floor, I, I think it could be a great situation for Andre Carbell. And I think that Illinois just being able to take a breath and that staff being able to take a breath and being able to, you know, put their system into the players that they want. I think it could be good for both parties, but I'm not sure it's going to be. Hey, yeah, I want to – let me – I, I will tell you guys this. And Matt, this last comment, it kind of, you know, you know, gave me a, a couple of gray hairs because he's right. I will tell you this. I don't know if it's better on the other side, but I can tell you this. You're never going to hear the players say anything, but I think just from a player standpoint alone, I think it's going to be better. You can just tell. I mean, and Matt, you're right. The sandwich thing was funny, but that was an example to me. No, I, I know. really don't care, yeah. but other people are bothered. But from a team standpoint, here's what I'll tell you what I know. Don't know if he's going to be at practice. He's going to be at practice. He shows up. Then he plays 20 minutes, plays 30 minutes. Then he don't play 30 minutes. I don't care where you are. That's not good for any team. It's just not. And it's, I mean, it's tough because what are those players thinking? What, what, you know, what kind of message does that send? That's why I said Coach Underwood being a player's coach, tip my hat to him. Yeah, and, and I do think it, the interesting thing is, is we have such crazy standards as a society because we don't want to hear a player come out and say, well, I just take them one game at a time. Um, th I'm just thinking about our next game. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. And then when Curbelo comes out with a chicken sandwich or Hunter Dickinson throws out some comments about Illinois, then it's all, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And to me, I, I, I grew up in – this is where Matt is really annoying. But I grew up with Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali just kind of put it out there, and then he went out and played. Well, I appreciate the guys who give you a glimpse into what they really are. So the only thing I thought when he was eating his chicken sandwich was, you know, I haven't been to Chick-fil-A in a while. I'm kind of hungry. So, you know, I thought it was kind of cool. So, Connor, you're, you're running, you know, closer to the, uh, closer to the age of the uh, college player, the AAU player. What are your thoughts on Curbelo? Well, I think there's two ways you can kind of look at this. And I think you have to separate Illinois and Curbelo at this point because they're not with each other anymore. And so with Curbelo, you're going to look at it and go, can I find a team that I can win games with? And can I work on the parts of my game that can allow me to get to the level that I want to be at? And, you know, he had expectations coming into this year that he was going to be an All-American player. And while it didn't work out due to, you know, the injuries and 
the, the stuff off the court, um, you know, that could be a realistic goal if he is going to get his jump shot to a point where he can hit three-point shots and he can, he can make defenders have to close out to him, you know, once he gets past half quarter, you know, something similar. But for him to expect that his game from freshman year is going to be something that's going to continue, you know, he's not going to have the same expectations of All-American if he's the same player he was at Illinois this year. And I'm, I'm not sure that he's going to be able to find a situation as good as Illinois is in terms of he had a Kofi that he could work around. Um, you know, I think a lot of teams would like to have Curbelo if he is working on his game, but if that's not uh, happening, I don't think a lot of teams are going to want him because he does clog up the lane with another player that can just send double teams down. Um, on Illinois' side, you know, you got to get somebody in the transfer portal or in your recruiting class that can, you know, run the team next year. And if you don't get somebody better, people are going to look at that and go, why didn't you hold on to Curbelo? And if that becomes the case, uh, I think it's fair to criticize uh, the coaching staff. But uh, at this point, I wouldn't expect that to be the case. Yeah, so, so we look at this, and I, I have a few thoughts. First off is I think there are times in life when things just don't work out, and it's hard to put the blame on one party or the other. I have a hard time blaming Coach Underwood because he gave about as long a leash as you know you could ever give on, on a player, um, and, and that's got to be – at times it was probably frustrating to – uh, Coach Underwood, yet he was willing to, to give Curbelo the opportunity. Um, from Curbelo's standpoint, um, he had a great last 10 games or so, the end of last season. And then this year, early on, struggled to, to make it to that level. Um, I'm not certain as to why, but then the concussion came and it derailed a lot of things. And, and folks, um, concussions are serious. Um, you know, I've had some athletes who've had them and you've actually can see a change in personality. Um, and I know people go, well, I'm tired of hearing about concussions. Well, you know, I'm tired of hearing about Russia and the Ukraine, but that doesn't stop Russia from keeping it going. So if, if you know, I don't know his medical <laughs> background, I don't want to know his better medical background, but to me, that was the part that took a, a season that was already kind of sliding in a direction for Curbelo that maybe wasn't as good as what everybody had hoped and kind of took it into a, a left field that nobody even anticipated. And I wish it had been different, but it wasn't. And I, you know, I think he's a great player. who was fun to watch. I hope he does wonderful things. Um, the only time I don't want him to do well is if he lands somewhere and he plays against the university of Illinois, I'd prefer to have him an off shooting night and have a few turnovers that evening as well. Um, beyond that, I wish him all the luck in the world. Um, and I think maybe this is one of those situations that it truly isn't you and it isn't me. You know, both, both, both people, maybe it's better to go try out the, uh, see if the grass is greener on the other side. There's no guarantees in life, but um, it just seemed like things were getting a little crazy. Um, I don't know if they can ever mend the fence. If they can, you know, certainly he's got a lot of talent, but we may be beyond that point. That's up to the coaches to decide. And um, 
but but like I said, at this point, maybe maybe a fresh coaching eyes on him and a fresh player for our coaches and players might be the way to go. Any final thoughts, Ked? Well, you know, just kind of, you know, to end it up for me, um, I don't say I don't, you know, wish him any ill wills. And I, I, I think, he, you know, a lot of people are going to be out there and I want people to understand that when these kids all transfer, these coaches talk, they're very good friends. And some kids come with baggage, some don't. Some kids just need a fresh start. And I can assure you, whatever the issues were, I, I'd be really curious to see where he lands and how long that leash is going to be for him, you know, um, because, you know, Connor was right. He had, a, you know, that All-American status coming into the season and he didn't live up to that. And that's OK. You know what? He's a talent, but he is replaceable to me. I'm, I, I want to make that statement on from my standpoint. It's not like the kid was putting 20 points a game and 10 assists a game and 10 rebounds. That happened one time against Purdue this year, and we have, you know, and, and you haven't seen it since. To me, you look at the, the you know, the last two couple games of the season. I don't think he scored ten points a game, and you know, the Indiana game he struggled. So you can find a guy in the transfer portal, a high school kid who can defend, who can actually give you four or five assists and maybe ten points a game. I think that's better than what you have because he wasn't doing that. That's where I'm, I stand with it because at the end of the day, he wasn't doing that. He's a good on the ball defender, but it's not like he was a first team all big defender. I didn't see that in him. Matt, anything on your end? Uh, yeah, just to kind of dovetail off of everybody. Yeah, the leash was really long. It was longer than I would have given him um, and that I wanted Underwood to give him, to be quite honest. Uh, he's going to have to find a coach with a unique personality in the business. Um he, he, I don't think he can play for somebody that has a system that needs him to play to a system. I don't think he, he can go to some player where there, it, it, it is dealing with a huge yeller and screamer that's going to publicly embarrass him on national television. That's not going to be how this is going to, how this is, you're going to get the best out of Andre Carbello. It's just not. Um, personality and on the bench and how he's coached is going to be a huge deal for Andre Carbello. It's probably going to be a big deal for the rest of his basketball life. Um, he needs to be able to be free to do what he wants to do. Um, and he also needs to Connor's point. He needs to understand that. Yeah, this whole idea, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, this whole idea that well, you have to take the good with the bad with Andre Carbello, that's a load of crap. He can get better at the bad. Um, and until he decides to get better at the bad, which is not just making jump shots, but, um, just kind of understanding that maybe not everybody else on the floor sees what you see and maybe not be as good as you, um, then he's not going to be the kind of player that overall on a, in a team guy, game that he can be. So, um, I'm not sure it's great for Illinois because again, to dovetail off of what Connor said, they don't have really anybody right now that they can trust to hand the basketball to right now and say, hey, lead our team and guard a lead guard right now. They don't. It's coming. It's coming. Okay. Hey, but, but, no, but I, Matt, I have a don't. question for you. I, I, I actually have a okay. question for all of you guys. I know, I know Mike, you're doing this, but let me ask you this. Uh, Matt, you brought up a good point. What, what coach, what system would he fit in well with? If who, if, I, I want to say the only coach I can think of, and I want to hear what you guys have to say, I think he could do that at Georgetown. I can't think of another coach in the world who let him do that. Who do you guys think you could see that will allow him to do that, to be free like Matt mentioned? 
the two rumored places he's expected to at least look into and that recruited him before, St. John's and Miami. Larry Nega lets his guards do what they want to do. And and, and Mike Anderson has always been big about letting his guards do what they want to do. Okay. Yeah, I I agree 100% on uh, Miami. That could be a fantastic place for him to go. Um, I think there's a couple teams in uh, the Big East. Uh, Seton Hall gives their guards a lot of freedom, and Providence does as well. So those could be some options there. Okay. Just curious. Thank you, guys. So, yeah, with that, you know, again, the, the, the overall overriding opinion is, is good kid didn't work out. Unfortunate. We would have loved to have seen all American Andre Curbelo throwing uh, lobs to all American uh, Kofi Coburn and soon to be all American Coleman Hawkins didn't happen. And um, I wish him the best. We all wish him the best of luck where he goes. So now let's talk about the final four. We're going to go through relatively quick here, but we've got a couple games. Um, and I'm going to let uh, this time, I'm going to let uh, Ked break down this game first. Um, Kansas, number one seed up against number two seed Villanova. Ked, who do you think's got the edge? Why do you think they have the edge? What's the X factor for the game? X factor um, is tough because I think both coaches are good. Um, Illinois fans are all about Bill Self. I mean, guys just been consistent, you know, consistently good, you know, before he came to Illinois and now in Kansas. And I have to give the edge to Kansas. I think Kansas is really, really peaking. I mean, they're playing extremely well right now. And Villanova's good. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't think Kansas had a tough as a route. Uh, excuse me, a tough road the way Villanova did. I think Villanova had to work for some of those games. And on any given night, I mean, which we've all seen, I mean, you could be bad. But I just think Kansas has the upper hand. The thing I like about Bill Self from a coaching standpoint is that he really adjusts well to in-game situations. We all talk about that here, you know, with the line guy staff and, you know, because we compliment Coach Underwood with, with those things. But Bill Self, uh, he was always a master at the high-low. You know, he always runs a lob when you're not expecting it. And the thing I've learned about Kansas this year, guys, they do not have a lot of long-scoring droughts. You know how some teams, well, Illinois Illinois fans can relate to this, those yeah. four or five, six-minute scoring droughts, Kansas didn't have a lot of that. So I'm picking Kansas. Okay, picking Kansas. Matt, what are you looking at here? Does Remy Martin play well or not? Because if Remy Martin plays well, Kansas is pretty much unbeatable, I think, of these four teams. If he doesn't yep. play well, I don't think they can win, period. Um, he is like we just talked about with Andre Carbello. He is the play-for-both-teams guy on, the, on in, in this game. He can play for Villanova just as easy as he can play for Kansas in this game. Um, I watched Villanova for two games in Pittsburgh. Couldn't be more impressed with their culture, with the way that they do things, with the – in, you watch them live, and it is amazing to watch them knowing they don't make that many mistakes. And it's just innate in them that they don't make that many mistakes. Uh, they won a fight with Houston, and they shouldn't have been able to do that because Houston should be able to fight you better than anybody else in the country. Um, and I, I just think from if, – if Colin Gillespie hits shots, they're going to defend the hell out of Kansas. And so the X factor to me, again, is Remy Martin. If he plays really, really well, I think Kansas can pull this off and win. If he doesn't, I think Villanova moves on because they, I think they defend it better than this Kansas team. 
And I think that they rebound it better than this Kansas team. And I think that they're tougher than this Kansas team. Kansas might just have a couple of guys that can put the ball in the basket and make shots. And if that's the case, then they'll, then they'll, they'll move on like, like this game normally dictates. But if it becomes a game in which their guards are kind of shaky, um, I'll take Villanova all day long. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Connor? I'm going to have to side with Kansas and agree with both of you guys. Um, I think uh, Moore's injury uh, with the Achilles tear is just unfortunate. You know, as someone that had that injury, it's about as difficult as it is to recover. And not only that, he had to do that while watching his team celebrate and go to a game that I'm assuming he probably dreamed of since he was a little kid. And, you know, being on the sideline for that is not going to be an enjoyable process. And that, you know, he's their best defender, second leading scorer. He would have been guarding an All-American in Agbaji. And that's just, I think he's going to go off and, as soon as you have him playing well, then you're going to have to slide someone over. And then from there, I just think Kansas's offense is just going to be a juggernaut against them. And if they can try and slow the game down, maybe they have a shot where, you know, they kind of Wisconsin ball it up and just hope the score is, you know, 46 to 45 by the end. But I'm just, I don't see that happening. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Kansas as well. I do want to throw one thing out there for Illini fans. If you watch Villanova 2011 through 2015, um, if you recall, Coach Wright couldn't get out of the first weekend. People wondered if he needed to be moved out of the Villanova job. And then since 2016, they've turned into a juggernaut and, um, you know, won a couple national titles. And, and have, have really turned into one of the elite programs. So sometimes it takes a while to get the monkey off your back. I'm not saying it should always take five or six years, but um, right now it would be hard to pick any coach at this moment in time as being better than Jay Wright in college basketball. And he went through an awful lot. Uh, coach Underwood's only not made it out past the first week in two years. And he's at least won the first game. He hasn't had an Iowa yet where we go home on day one or even the way Coach Henson had happen a few times. So, um, you know, even the greatest coaches, it takes a little bit of time. And, of course, you got Coach Self, who hasn't won a title in well over a decade. So uh, even great coaches run into those challenges in the, in the tournament. So the next game and this is the one that I'm personally dreading, um, the two-seed Duke Blue Devils against the eight-seed North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, the Blue Devils uh, got, got hammered pretty hard by North Carolina in that final game uh, at Cameron Indoor um, for Coach K. Man, did that set up a uh, um, a, 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 a quite a grudge match here. So I'm going to reverse order and let Connor go first and we'll go to Matt and then to Ked. So Connor, what are your thoughts on this Duke North Carolina matchup? It's hard for me to not go with Duke, just uh, given the fact that coach K is going to be most likely getting a lot of calls. Um, and then to what you just mentioned, you know, their last meeting was them getting absolutely destroyed in Cameron indoor. Um, I think they're going to be, you know, coming out angry and understanding that that wasn't the team that they are. And the truth is, is this Duke team just has a lot of pro players on it. 
And I don't see that when I look at UNC's roster. I, I see Caleb Love and a bunch of very good college players. And when you're going up against Paolo and you're going up against uh, Mark Williams and you're going up against uh, Roach, who's looking like, you know, Andre Curbelo freshman year with uh, some of his plays, uh, they're just going to be a hard team to defend. And I think the top end talent is just going to win out in this case. Matt, what are your thoughts? Does Brady Manic play well or not? Because this is something that I think people who don't watch Carolina a lot, I'm, I'm so impressed with Hubert Davis on because he has changed practically everything offensively that North Carolina did under Roy Williams, which is, you know, the dribble drive, all that. He has now done a whole bunch of ball screen action and stretch four in the corner. And if Brady Manick shoots it really, really well, uh, they're in, they're in the ball game. And I think they know it. Um, they know how to defend Duke. Uh, they proved that in Cameron. Uh, and I, I think, I, look, I think Duke should be and is favored, but this is a coming out party potentially for Hubert Davis as, as a coach, because he has a lot of talent on this roster. I, I think I saw something where there's two five-star guys and everybody in their top seven, six of their top seven are like top 50 players or above in their, in, in a recruiting class. Um, they have guys that can go up and, and clean the glass. Uh, it's a matter of, yeah, if Paolo goes off, Duke wins. If, but if, if they can shoot it like they did say against UCLA and they can guard it like they did in the waning minutes, I would say after the last eight minute timeout against UCLA, Carolina's going to stay in this ball game. Um, I think Duke is rightfully favored, but I don't think anybody should believe that Duke's going to come out here and blow the doors off of North Carolina, because I can tell you right now, everybody in North Carolina's locker room doesn't believe that. And Duke still has to prove that they can go do this um, against a team that they couldn't figure out how to guard in the, in this, in the regular season finale. And I think the team that guards on that, on, on that end of the floor will win this ball game because I think Carolina does a whole bunch of things offensively that I actually kind of like watching a little bit more than what they were doing with Roy. Um, because it, it, it just seemed like if they weren't getting the ball in the basket in like six seconds under Roy, they, they weren't really running a whole bunch of stuff. Um, Hubert's actually kind of gotten them to run some stuff that I actually kind of enjoy watching. So I think it'll be a very competitive ball game. Good. Ted? Well, when I saw the 2C, the Christmas gift, Happy Hanukkah gift, whatever you want to call it for uh, Coach K, I knew the tournament was over. And it is over. And that's unfortunate for me because he is going to win a national championship. Uh, my favorite player to watch this entire tournament is the one that um, Matt just mentioned, Brady Manning. I just I love watching him play. He is he's what college basketball is about to me. I mean, he is a nice stretch four. He's having fun playing. He's good. He can shoot it. And he's going to keep North Carolina in the game. I mean, he is. But at the end of the day, there'll be something that's going to happen to Wilter down the stretch. And I think North Carolina will lose. And it's too bad because, you know, Hubert has done a great job. Lost players, you know, have it through the season. And for an eight seed and in the ACC, I would have never guessed it. But, you know, you only got to be good for one night. And they've been good for, what, four nights so far. So, you know, you know they're not done. But I just – it's hard to go against Duke knowing the fact that every, not everybody in the country, most of the national media, I mean, they want to see them win because it's a great story for college basketball. So 
Unfortunately, it's going to be the Blue Devils and Kansas, and Bill Self's going to take second place again. Well, there's the there's the voice of optimism. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I so want UNC to win this because I just don't want to see another uh, Duke title. You know, with the uh, with the if you look at the composite rankings that he gets. Um, you know, he's had great recruiting classes for decades. Uh, if he was like Nick Saban, uh, Kay would have like 20 titles by now, but he's not Nick Saban. He's not that good. Um, the, the thing that I would, that, I, that I'm hoping is that, is that uh, UNC can put it all together, but the motivation to get revenge for those young Duke players coupled with um, probably what will be a fairly uh, – um, decent, you know, benefit of the doubt from the stripes will be a large factor for UNC to have to beat. Um, but I do think, you know, Duke and UNC are interesting because if you have teams that have a ton of physical talent and you can get them to play well, um, even for three, four games, they can go out and devastate better teams when they're, when they are playing well. And I think this was what Jawan Howard was trying to do with his Michigan team. Doesn't have quite as much physical talent and couldn't quite get it accomplished because these two guys probably better, a little bit better coaches than Jawan is. But um, when you have talent, and this is where I think ultimately, you know, Illinois would like to have, you know, bigger guards, longer, longer, more athletic wings. When you see what these teams can throw on the, the floor offensively and defensively, it seems like a, a real, real challenge uh, to, you know, when they're playing well to beat them. So Matt, uh, Ked's given us the Duke wins the whole thing. Uh, who are you predicting? Then we'll have Connor's prediction on that. I, I, I think Duke can beat Kansas because I think those are the two teams that are favored, right? Um, yeah. So we're 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 gonna do something again, I would think, before the title game. So I, I I'd like we to have will, a title. Yeah, I'd like to have a title record. game in front of me. Um, I I think Duke wins. Here's the thing about a Duke Kansas thing, though, is that I've never been able to look at Kansas and go, well, they don't have as many pros on that team than the team they're playing, so they're gonna lose. Typically. Like, say, a couple of years ago, Bill Self loses that Elite Eight game against Duke, if that were the case, right? I mean, like, that that team that had Malik Newman on it and, like, a whole bunch of second-round picks, they went to a Final Four over Duke in that Elite Eight because – and Duke had, Duke had more pro prospects on that roster. Um, so, I, I really – again, I like Kansas over Duke because I just think for – for 40 minutes, they've proven Kansas will guard you a little bit more than Duke gives a darn about guarding people on certain occasions. Um, it's why I, I was really kind of – I shook my head at their Elite Eight game against Miami because it was like you're, you're, you're continually letting this team stay in this ball game and you really shouldn't. And then they finally put the kibosh on that. Um, they had they had a t Michigan State got open shot after open shot after open shot in that second-round game on Duke. I just think Kansas guards a little bit better, and I'll go with Kansas. Um, but if it becomes an up and down game where athletes reign, I think it, I think Duke would win that game. But 
for going with the two favorites, I probably would go Kansas over Duke just because I have a little more confidence in Kansas being able to guard you on that end of the floor. Okay. And we will, folks, have another show probably get that out there Sunday so you can be prepared for the final game. Connor, what are you predicting based on your earlier one here? You know, I I can see it going either way. I think Kansas is probably like a heavy favorite to get there where I think they have a better chance of beating Villanova than Duke does beating UNC. But I think Duke has a better matchup against Kansas just because I think that only having David McCormick in there as your only post player that can guard fives um, is going to really cost them down the stretch when, you know, Mark Williams is getting guarded by Mitch Lightfoot, who's just, he's not going to really be able to do anything in that matchup there. So I'm going to go with Duke just because I think that's the most talented team. So this is rapidly turning into the one of the most depressing eye on the Illini's we've ever had. Carbello's going to transfer and Duke's going to win the national title. I'm a little sick to my stomach, but I'm going to say UNC is going to win it all. I'm not very happy about it because they beat our beloved Illini back in 2005, but I'm going to go because I'm an optimist and I don't want to see coach K do it. I've got no other, I've got no basketball reason to select UNC, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's just the type of person that I am. So I'm going to give uh, each guy uh, one, one last round before we, we call this a day. If you have any other subjects you want to bring up or any other comments, Ked, you got anything for us? Uh, it would be too, it's too bad that there's not some other teams in the, in the final four. I mean, this is blue blood heaven, you know, and all the upsets and all the great games it would have been nice to see a different team and a big 10 team in there, but, I mean, I'm going to watch it because we're basketball fanatics, but at the end of the day, I really don't care who wins. No, I do. I do care. I don't want Duke to win. It doesn't matter. Anybody can win other than Duke. Okay, I lied. ABD, anybody but Duke. (laughs) All right, so, Matt, you got any final thoughts? Do not let this Villanova team get any confidence whatsoever because they do not make mistakes and they will not – if they have less than – 10 turnovers in this basketball game against Kansas, they might actually go ahead and turn around and win it. And then if you let them win it on Saturday, guess what? There's only one more and they're going to show up. And like the year that they beat Carolina in the final, they're just going to show up and win the darn thing because that culture is so good that I was able to watch for two days. If anybody could, could replicate Villanova's culture, they would put it in a bottle and sell it and it would cost millions of dollars because Jay Wright just does it better. And I think than anybody in the country, so don't let them get any confidence on Saturday night if you're Kansas, because if they do, you might, they might just try to go ahead and win two games and steal this thing. Well, and that goes back to, again, I go back to, you know, there was a period of time when people wondered if Jay Wright had what it took. And the, the AD and the fans uh, were patient, and we found out that, oh, indeed, he does. So uh, there is uh, hope there. Connor, any final thoughts? The only thought that I have is, you know, why isn't Wright getting a ton of huge recruits like all these other blue blood programs? Uh, I'm looking at, you know, they got Brendan Housen and Cam Whitmore as their big recruits, but just seems like they're not in as many uh, targets list when it comes down to it. I'm curious as to why he doesn't expand his list or his, uh, his net wide. Only thing I have. And that may be a, fa- a function of, uh, one of the hardest things that, that to do when you're in a leadership role is when you f- is having the discipline 
to understand what you need for your system, whether you're a basketball coach, football coach, whether you're hiring salespeople, you're hiring secretaries, you're whatever it is. If you can identify what you need and then you have the discipline to hire what you need to be successful, he may know what he needs and maybe he doesn't need a, a five-star that he has to worry about, you know, leash length and all these other things. He, he knows what, he's, what he wants to get. In that respect, maybe Jay Wright's a little like Bill Belichick, who seems to, you know, draft a certain type of person or sign a certain type of free agent that doesn't have the physical um, bells and whistles, but manages to win. Yeah, I would say it's Jay trying to find the right kids and not necessarily the top kids. Yep. Not a, I mean, I'll go back to a kid that everybody, Illinois fans can appreciate. Not everybody in the country or not many people in the country wanted Jalen Brunson. He was a two-time All-American and, and won a whole bunch of games for Jay Wright, including a national title. Um, I, I just went back and looked, and Colin Gillespie's only other scholarship offers were Hofstra and Yale. I'm pretty sure a whole bunch of teams this year would have taken Colin Gillespie on the roster if they had the chance. So sometimes, like Mike said, it's about finding the right guys. It's not about finding the top guys. Yep. So with that, folks, we are going to let you go. We'd ask you a couple things. One is, is if you enjoyed this podcast, Give us a five-star rating. You know, throw in a couple comments. You know, uh, that would be nice. It helps other people decide to listen to our show. We would really appreciate it if you think we've earned it. Second thing is we have other podcasts. You can get Sturdy for 30. That's Brad Sturdy's award-winning podcast. It's kind of the, uh, uh, the, the, the big ship here. And listen to that. You get tons of great interviews. And, of course, Kedrick Prince, he's on here today. He gives the one and only podcast that gives you the point of view of the player, the coach of the player, or the parent of the player being recruited. You don't get that anywhere else. You want to hear it, you can hear it from Ked. And last but not least, join uh, IlliniGuys.com. You get all the information on Illinois sports ahead of time. You know what's going to happen before it happens, and it is a wonderful gift. If you have an Illini fan in the family, only $99 a year, and you get all the news, all the notes, and you get in the message boards, in the forums, you get all the information that can't be printed, but you get it ahead of time. And that's really important. The last thing is Illini Guys Sports Spectacular, two-hour radio experience once a week. You go to IlliniGuys.com, hit the radio button. You can find the 25 stations that have us on what day of the week, either Friday, Saturday, or now coming soon, Sunday. And you can find what station, what town, and what time. So please go to IlliniGuys.com and check that out. We will talk to everyone later this week. Go Illini!